again with Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio, 855am on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. Welcome to Think Again. A program presented to you by Borderlands Cooperative, an organisation working for social change for over 25 years. I'm Jacques Boulet. And I'm Jennifer Burrell. This is our 188th programme and we're going to revisit class and how it's very much playing out in real time. On Tuesday this week, the prominent headline on the front page of the Australian newspaper read, and I quote, Super Switch to Class War. Super, of course, referring to the superannuation debates, leading or rather misleading to an article by political correspondent Rosie Lewis, reporting about the Labour government's proposal to increase the taxation of over-the-top individual super funds. Yeah, meaning less tax breaks for people with superannuation balances of over $3 million. Yes, as we now, meanwhile, have figured out from the Labour Party. Rosie Lewis started with comments by Greg Combit, the chair, the chair of Industry Super Australia, which is an alliance of industrial super funds, which has been in the crossfire of many coalition politicians, giving their links with the trade unions. For the Australian newspaper's readers who don't remember combat and to help the class war plot thicken, Rosie Lewis helpfully pointed out that combat had been the head of the ACTU and a previous Labour minister. Yeah, obviously a suspect from the left. That's right. Anything which is uh, not right belongs to the left. (laughs) Combat had dared to suggest that the government should clamp down on the over-generous superannuation tax concessions for wealthy Australians who abused the system, making it an an investment scheme for themselves and their families. Combat even suggested that their millions should be taxed to contribute to helping women and low-paid workers who are without sufficient super funds for their own retirement. Oh dear, the spectre of redistribution appears on the horizon. (laughs) With the proposed victims of redistribution being millionaires who want to keep as much of it as they can for themselves. Uh, On Twitter, Malcolm Farr soberly reacted to the Australian headline, saying, and I quote, Oz injects opinion into news headline in case the facts don't support their outrage. And Barry Cassidy's reaction was even more to the point. Yes, class warfare apparently is when you take away a benefit from a multimillionaire. But it's not class warfare to illegally take back money from the lowest paid that they don't owe like in RoboDebt. It is really disturbing to see the media, and for example, Channel 7, owned by Mr Stokes, Channel 9, chaired by Peter Costello, News Corp, owned by Murdoch, and even our own ABC, 
all being outraged over the changes to the tax breaks for millionaires, yet barely saying a word about the persecution of the poor by Robodet. Mm, yeah, uh, at least until recently when it's all come out mm. and they have to. So I guess listeners might remember our Think Again program in early December when we talked about the reappearance of class, the idea of class, in public discussions and in research. And we quoted one of the richest people in the world then, Warren Buffett, who in a famous quote said, there's class warfare, all right, but it's my class, the rich class, that's making war and we're winning. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, which all the facts back up, of course. That's mm. right. So today we're having another look at the sudden appearance of several hot topics the Labour government is meant to deal with after these topics have been largely ignored or even made worse by several decades of neoliberalism. Yeah, and, and these hot topics, of course, they all relate to class, which we're talking about, and they've all been leading up to the current, intersecting to lead up to the current crisis. Yeah, and crisis plural, yeah. Yeah, crises. That's mm-hmm. correct. We'll look at three of these urgent issues and crises and explore the way in which they indeed may be a class war going on in Australia. Yeah, and Shark, let's examine what's happening in reality with these issues and with systemic inequality mm-hmm. and class, Indeed. which we're not afraid to use the word, are we? <laughs> Certainly not. <laughs> so first, the presumed hot potato of the superannuation system. Just to give you some perspective, as Australia was developing its welfare system in the early 1900s, 120 years ago, existing European systems had started age pension systems, running them as a national or an institutional social insurance system. And the importance is social insurance. Mm. All working persons contributed a part of their income to a fund, which then would pay contributors upon retirement proportionally to their early contributions. Yeah, and, and Plus Jacques, interest, yeah. Yeah, and, and Jacques, that was way back in the early 1900s. That's which correct. I don't think a lot of people are aware of. We no. tend to think of superannuation as being no, no. something made up recently. No. You know, That's right. It was, a, it was a time where Australia was a model welfare state. Mm-hmm. Can you believe it? Yeah, around the, the first time of decade. the eight-hour day. Yeah, the, all of that, yep. Australia decided to run the system of super of superannuation or of age pension on an individualized basis, so not a social insurance, with everyone paying into their personal account, just making it, as I said, a personal insurance system. Yeah, so I guess even at that point, Shark, the early 1900s, they were missing the chance um, way back around Federation mm-hmm. for a collective uh, retirement That's scheme. That's right. And the interesting thing, as we discussed it yesterday, is that it was actually the the unions who were against the social insurance system and wanted it to be personal, yeah. sort of modelling what the rich can do. Why shouldn't yeah. we? Yeah. We can't go into much discussion of this decision, obviously, but it represents the systemic origins of the issue we are now facing. Indeed, due to some more recent changes under the Howard government, it started to allow the system, superannuation system, started to allow the wealthy to invest their spare millions as their assumed contribution to the superannuation system. 
thanks to the tax exemptions super, super accounts enjoy, their millions continue to make ever more millions, especially through personally managed super accounts. Obviously, lower income people, women, and those without wealth to invest barely grew their accounts if they had them at all yeah. to support them in their retirement. Yeah, and Jacques, we're talking about pretty big sums of mm -hmm. money, aren't we? We certainly into super are. Accounts as, um, as you say, as investment mm -hmm. schemes. Um, so according to research by the Grattan Institute, for example, one super fund owner, owner, had over $544 million in their account. Uh, 17 had over $100 million, and 100 had more than $50 million. So... You can actually see how many billions have, billions have been made profiting from a system that was set up as a mere insurance for everyone to enjoy a secure old age. Mm -hmm. Grattan Institute's Director of Economic Policy, Brendan Coates, said, and I quote, billions of dollars a year in tax breaks to wealthier people who will never spend them in retirement have made super a taxpayer-funded inheritance scheme for wealthier Australians, unquote. The Institute's modelling shows that tax concessions for superannuation and listen to this, will take more out of public finances than is currently spent on the aged pension in little more than a mm, decade. That's incredible. Well, as Ross Gittins put in The Age on Wednesday, quote, whereas the aged pension costs the government about $55 billion a year, the annual cost of superannuation tax concessions is almost as large, $52 billion. At the rate we're going, it won't be many more years before super concessions exceed the cost of the pension, mm. unquote. Yeah, so you'd think it would seem like common sense or, or at least common decency to cut the tax breaks for the wealthy uh, who are doing a sort of scam of the system, I'd mm. put it that way, with mm. their million-dollar superannuation funds. That's right. But that's not the way in which the class war operates. The reactions were as one would expect in present-day Australia. Shadow Treasurer Angus, Angus Taylor and Dutton himself declared that the coalition will fight any changes. Labour's Plibersek reminded Taylor of his interview on Sunrise in 2016, in which Taylor said, and I quote, it's totally inappropriate that someone who has contributed millions and millions of dollars continues to get those 15% concessions, unquote. So, obviously, it isn't the class war when the coalition politician says it. <laughs> That's right, yeah. And uh, Keith Pitt, Liberal Shadow Minister, oh, wow, he said that we should leave the money for those Aussies <laughs> um, who, quote, want to work hard and leave that money for their kids. It's their money. Buy a boat, a car, a holiday. It's their money, unquote. So, oh, just unpacking that a bit, this holds up the myth that the million-dollar super accounts uh, come from their owners' hard grit and lack of dependence on government transfers. But as Gittins points out, the opposite is true mm. because so much of superannuation balances 
for them comes from accumulated tax breaks from the government. That's right. Yeah, so those with balances so big uh, that they don't qualify the pen- for the pension after retiring are actually getting more from the government than people on pensions That's right. over time. Yeah. yeah, and going back to Keith Pitt, it is indeed their money, he's right there, but they shouldn't then be able to get tax concessions specifically available to supers accrued for an adequate retirement. For an adequate retirement. That's right. For security and That's adequate right. retirement. Because those tax concessions, they come from our money, all of our money. <laughs> exactly. Yes, the government is spending our commonwealth for tax concessions for the rich, effectively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, so on Twitter... Yeah. Oh, sorry, mm-hmm. I just want to say, yeah, yeah. Jacques, it, it's... Tax concessions for the rich and for their super accounts as low-tax mm-hmm. investment havens. So why That's find right. some offshore tax haven yep. and get your fancy accountant to work it out for you <laughs> when all you have to do is park your millions in a superannuation right. account? But, but they do that as well, so it's, it's, it doubles up. <laughs> yeah. uh, Twitter reactions have been suitably divided. Give you some examples. Here's one. Since when has investing in the stock market constituted hard work, says one. And another, yeah, hard-working Australians. Because carers, nurses, bus drivers and so on, they sure don't work that hard, unquote. But then there's also another one. You can't keep tampering with people's super by changing tax rules just to prop up a lousy, undisciplined government every time things, things get tough, unquote. So, class or anyone? It's what Jennifer and I, in our analysis of the workings of the gambling industry earlier, 10 years ago or so, have called systemic collusion. And we'll come back to that after two more examples. Yeah, and we are referring to systemic collusion by people, corporations, government, and parts of the system that benefit from certain arrangements. Mm -hmm. And as you say, Jacques, we will talk about after the break. Indeed, and let's go to some music. God Save the Hungry by Grace Petrie. For not thinking it's cool That some were born to suffer While some were born to rule Does that make me a traitor? Before you toss that word around Please understand that I love this land of mine And yeah, it's true, God ain't my thing But if he was, I'd rather sing Refugees perishing in foreign seas Those bodies washed up on the shores We're fleeing our state-sponsored wars And our leader sees nothing wrong So I wrote him a brand new song That goes, God save the hungry God save the poor God save those desperate souls Whose lives were torn apart by war God save the homeless And those with disabilities 
of this heartless ideology and there's a long and shameful list of folks we need God to assist but those who sleep in palaces at night I think they're doing all right Britain could be greater if it had fairness at its heart. Oh, this nation altogether is more than the sum of its parts. But they will call you a traitor for even daring to believe a sleight of hand from those who bleed this land dry. You're listening to Think Again on 3CR Radio, 855 AM on your dial and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. Today we're talking about class warfare, giving examples of systemic collusion that furthers the power and wealth of those who benefit at the expense of everyone else. Before the break, we talked about how the tax system favours people with multi-million dollar superannuation accounts. Yeah, in gifts to the rich from the public purse. That's right. So now to a second example of systemic collusion. We have been hearing and reading more than enough about the inflation threat and how the central bank's boss, Philip Lowe, unfortunately, of course, has had to increase the interest rates about eight times since the middle of last year, around the time the new government came in. The usual reason Lowe has given for the rise of inflation is the wage-rise-inflation connection or circle or whatever. Mm-hmm. Supposedly, the reason inflation or the cost of living rises is the rise of wages. So again, it's the fault of all of us. Yeah, and supposedly we all need to learn to live on less... To stop inflation for the benefit of everyone. That's right. But the Australian Institute has done some checking and found that, and I quote, increases in labour costs account for just 18% of the inflation, above what the the, the, uh, Reserve Bank wants to see before it eases interest rates increases. The most recent GDP data show Australian businesses increased prices by a total of, and sit on your chair now, 160 billion a year above taxes, labour and other costs, unquote. And further, we've been told the story that workers need to restrict wage growth and accept a permanent reduction in living standards in order to fix inflation. Yeah, which is the point. <clears throat> but inflation is more to do with price gouging by corporations, obviously. It's their rising profits that are largely behind the ra- rising cost of living, which we call inflation. That's yeah. right. The Australian Institute Stanford, Dr. Stanford, says the evidence shows the additional billions of dollars in company profit have led to the soaring inflation Australia is experiencing. Without those profit gains, inflation since the pandemic would have risen much more slowly, at just 2.7%, instead of over 7%, as it has. Yeah, so the Reserve Bank and government, they should be focusing on those soaring profits Mm -hmm. rather than targeting workers through 
rising interest rates and and low wage growth, really. Yeah, exactly. And let's look at the types of profit we're talking about or the Institute was talking about. Australia's banks made $33 billion this year. Mm-hmm. Shell made $57 billion. BP, $40 billion. Santos, $3.1 billion. Woolworth, where you go and buy your salad, made $907 million. Mm-hmm. Golds, where you go and buy whatever, Six hundred and forty-three million. Qantas made one point four billion in just the last six months. Mm. Seems like inflation is a profitable problem for some. And I quote again the, Insti- the Australian Institute: When wages were growing at ten percent per annum and fueling inflation in the nineteen seventies, employees agreed to an era of wage restraint, remember, in the Hawke and Keating era. Now company profits are fueling inflation. The calls for profit restraint are nowhere to be seen. Instead, people cop interest rate rises. So, class war, anyone? Yeah. Well, to go back to what Warren Buffett said, it's the rich that are making class war. And from all the evidence you're presenting, Shark, they're mm-hmm. winning. That's right. And again, Ross Gittens helps us in our wonderment in the Sydney Morning Herald on the 24th of February. And I quote, What's the most glaring case of oligopolistic pricing power in this country? The four big banks. Since the Reserve began raising interest rates, their already fat profits have soared. Why? Because they've lost little time in passing the increases on to their borrowing customers, but have been much slower to pass the increase through to their depositors. Mm. Has Lowe been taking taking them to task? No, far from it. Mm. So much for superannuation interest rates. Let's go to our third example of systemic collusion, which we have already talked about several times on Think Again. We're talking about the gambling industry. Very briefly, where are the bulk of poker machines placed in Victoria? And, and Shark, I think that's a rhetorical question. (laughs) It is. Because we all know it's in the lower income areas. Yes. And have been from the rollout in the 90s of the uh, the dangerous... Mid-90s, absolutely. And gambling opportunities are rapidly spreading online. Gambling is an addiction. Yeah, but when you say addiction, Jacques, it's not so much an individual pathology, but uh, something deliberately generated through gambling products themselves to maximise industry profits. And I'm talking about forms of gambling where you can Mm -hmm. make consecutive bets and get results straight away every few seconds. So I'm talking about poker machines, but as you say, also sports betting, online betting. All of that, yep. And they're deliberately designed to hook you in and spend as much as possible. That's correct. And and to keep you gambling. And the profits of the gambling industry are immense, billions and billions. Whilst the losses to the pokies, for example, are already going above 100 million Mm -hmm. in some of the more disadvantaged areas in Melbourne, like Brimbank. What does the government do about it? Not much. And if they do, very reluctantly. Whatever it does, as debates in the New South Wales election campaign now show. And why should that be? Or would that be? Government tax incomes 
from gambling profits. Mm -hmm. And how are we dealing with the victims? We approach them with the myth of harm minimization programs. Yeah, yes, a, a show of harm minimization, I'd say, while being careful not to bring in measures that might really put gamblers in control of their own gambling and their own money and reduce spending. Class welfare, someone? Mm -hmm. Indeed. Did I say welfare? Warfare. Class warfare. Class welfare. <laughs> yeah. It's welfare for the rich. That's right. Class warfare for all of us. Indeed, the three examples we have briefly discussed illustrate how partisan politics and policies come about and are sustained. They operate through systemic collusion. One of the latest examples are the Royal Commission's interrogations about robo-debt and the way the experts including numbers of lawyers who made the decisions or just let them get through, how they colluded with the intent of the government to make savings, the anti-welfare attitude of many of them in the government, the absence of proper scrutiny, the Murdoch press and other media who created the ideolo what I call the ideological cement between the various systems of decision-making and other policy interventions. Yeah, in, in, including Jacques, the barely disguised scorn and disgust of those in positions of power mm -hmm. reserved for people receiving Centrelink payments. Uh, absolutely. And is there, one has to wonder, some glimmer of hope that our political system itself would come up with a way to deal with the class warfare hidden in such systemic collusions? Well, we have a look. The Australian Securities and Investments Commission, ASIC, is launching its first court action against alleged greenwashing conduct. Greenwashing, of course, is the pretense of having sustainability in mind when producing or selling your products and then not doing it. Mercer Superannuation Fund allegedly made misleading statements about, and I quote, the sustainable nature and characteristics of some of its superannuation investment options, according to the regulator's statement. And again, I quote, it is the first time ASIC has taken an Australian entity to court regarding alleged greenwashing conduct. And it reflects our continuing efforts to ensure sustainability-related claims made by financial institutions are accurate. It's the first time that they still refer to their history of doing well. Mm. ASIC alleges that Mercer Superannuation Plus Super Option was marketed... Oh, sustainable Plus. Plus, that's the name of that option, yeah. Was marketed on the basis of the promise of supporting sustainability. But on closer inspection their funds were invested in industries that had been supposedly excluded from that, mm -hmm. from that uh, option, including 15 companies involved in the extraction or sale of carbon-intensive fossil fuels, 15 companies making money out of alcohol, and 19 companies involved in gambling. Mm. So we'll see and wait with bated breath where this attempt at attacking and controlling systemic collusion, where that will lead to. Yeah, so meanwhile, we continue to brag around the world about being a democracy. Uh, supposedly the demos, or the people um, who govern, who are choosing this, um, supposedly choosing this unequal, exploitive system, because we like it so much. <laughs> That's right. 
Somehow, as it's turning out to be the people's own fault that through such collusions, the, one, the ones we're talking about, the class war continues to occur. So are we to continue to believe that poverty exists not because we cannot feed the poor, but because we can't satisfy the rich who are winning the class war anyway? giving us ample reason to keep up the critique and keep up the fight. Mm. But we are coming to the end of our program now, uh, moving on to our community announcements. We know that intersecting with class and class warfare is gender, with women being paid much lower than men on average and having much lower superannuation. So it's timely to announce that International Women's Day is coming up Wednesday 8th of March and that 3CR is having 24 hours of broadcasting to mark the day. This year's 3CR International Women's Day is a celebration of a feminism that knows that liberation from gendered oppression can never be achieved without dismantling all systems of domination and subjugation and systemic collusions connected to them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So tune in on Wednesday, 8th of March. Program details can be found on the 3CR website. Thanks for listening to Think Again on 3CR Community Radio and supporting our program. If you want to send us a message, you can email Borderlands, borders at borderlands.org.au. Our past programs are available by podcast on your favourite platform and via the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au. Meanwhile, please enjoy Milku Mana by King Sterling. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.